Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Coming to you from South Florida, another edition of Poker Action Line and uh, the coronavirus pandemic rolls on and will be for some time. But the world of poker also rolls on, whether it's online or people playing at their homes. Uh, I got some few things to talk about tonight. Uh, we will look at an article by Mo Nuara, who is uh, one of our favorite writers. I actually sat next to Mo at the World Series of Poker Media event about three years ago. So I got to talk to him quite a bit then. Good guy. He lives in Nebraska and a great writer. And a couple of stories coming out uh, having to do with the poker media. Uh, Chad Holloway putting together uh, an enterprise to help out some of the poker media people. The people don't realize. I mean, you think about, Joe, a large event like at the Hard Rock or something like that. Uh, Obviously, all the players it takes, all the dealers it takes to staff, the people – who bring the drinks, uh, who uh, are in charge of management. And then there's all those people that sit on the tables on the side and write up the the hand reviews and put them online. So they're also been affected by this as well. Yeah, Big Dave, this is this industry that people don't realize it's just not just the dealers and the players. There's a lot of people that, you know, that need to be on staff to be able to make your experience a very good one at, uh, in the in the room. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about his, uh, Chad's uh, enterprise, along with a, a couple other people. Jamie Kerstetter working on that as well. Uh, I think Jeff Platt is involved and uh, a few others. But they are going to be doing some uh, poker streaming on Twitch and get people to make their contributions based on how they do. And uh, some of that money will go to some of the media members that, that cover these poker tournaments. I've got to know a lot of them over the years, and I'll get to a little more about this on later, but several of these guys we've had on the show, uh, Chad's been on a couple of times himself, um, BJ Nemeth and um, uh, Mickey Doft, uh, really guys that I always run into every time I cover a tournament, and they've been so friendly and helpful with information, and uh, I feel I owe them a debt of gratitude, so maybe I'll uh, support some of their stuff online as well. Uh, also, uh, Mo Nuara, who I... Uh, uh, played in next to in a P, uh, media poker tournament several years ago, is uh, going to be uh, putting out an article. Actually, it just came out about what it will the World Series of Poker look like this year. And we haven't received any news since the official announcement, but there's so many different ways you can go. And, Joe, you, you have to put together tournaments. You've had uh, – I don't know if you've had an act of God affect one of your events, but uh, certainly there are some problems occasionally, and you have to decide how you're going to fix it. Yeah, well, as, as compared to an act of God, like what's going on right now, it, it seems like nothing, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, you do run into some. But, Dave, let me tell you something. You, you know, for what they do at the World Series of Poker and for what most rooms do, you know, the hiccups really come usually the first few times that you're trying a different style of tournament because before you, you offer a tournament in a local poker room like this, you just got to make sure you have, uh, you know, the chips, 
your computer, you know, for the for the, the the structure of the tournament put out there, the blind levels. You know, you sometimes you run into some hiccups where the screen freezes. These are all obviously very very minor. Down here in South Florida, we're at I believe a little bit more risk than most people with local tournaments due to the right. fact that we, you know, we're six months into a hurricane season. Um, you know, and one of those could definitely <laughs> affect uh, a, a tournament, but that, that's very hard to plan for, Dave. Or, unless you know that there's a system out there in the Atlantic, and it's you know you have a good chance, uh, as they say, we're being in the cone. It depends on how, you know how much work has been put into it, how much money you've taken up front, you know how much people have already made plans for this. Uh, before you cancel it, but you always have to take safety of uh, over anything else. Well, I remember a tournament, I believe it was at uh, Seminole Coconut Creek a few years ago, and there was actually a storm that kind of uh, made a sharp turn that they didn't expect it to hit this area, and then all of a sudden it did. Uh, they had a very large guarantee, and they didn't want to honor it when a lot of people didn't show up. And I think they ended up not paying the guarantee. But uh, a lot of people complained about that. But they don't realize the kind of responsibility you have to your customers and the safety of everybody there. So you can't always, uh, you know, pull it off just to try to make a number. Well, and let me tell you, it's just, to me, it's very disgraceful because uh, I've seen, you know, over the many years, people give a guarantee and the numbers fall way short, and then all of a sudden they come up with an excuse to either cancel it or not pay the guarantee, which for me is, you know, very disgraceful. But now, you know, most tournaments, if there is an act of God, that does change the rules. Right. And I don't see it being a big problem. I mean, I know I've been on this side of the fence as a, as a manager, but that's very tough for us to put that up there uh, when we didn't have a fair playing ground, so to speak, you know, where where people didn't have to worry about their safety and, and taking care of their family. I remember, I don't know if you remember, but there was a tournament a few years ago out in California where they were falling short, and they just added an extra day one, you know, uh, is at the last second, uh, which just, you know, people that are committed that. to a certain event, you know, you can't believe that they, they would allow them to do that. No, and remember, they added that days, which changed all the other days. Right. You know, the day two, the day three, and, you know, if you were making plans and you were lucky enough to go deep in the tournament, you were expecting it to end one day, and if I remember correctly, it wasn't going to end until another day. It it went past the Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. It was yeah, supposed to end exactly. on a Sunday, and they took it into a Monday or a Tuesday because they were so short on their guarantee. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, money makes people do some bizarre things, but uh, uh, certainly we have to try to uh, stay within the rules as in every part of the game, really. And, uh, well, we'll see what happens, but uh, at least we got news that the World Series of Poker has been postponed, and as I said, we'll get into Mo's article about possibilities of what the schedule might look like. Uh, he has a couple different scenarios that are very interesting to look at, and I wondered what you thought of them, but we'll get to that uh, in the second segment of the program. Uh, the, around the country, uh, coronavirus uh, that has shut down the economy in pr virtually every state, uh, some of them are coming back now. And although the, the president put out some guidelines on when you should uh, bring this back, there's a few states that are really chomping at the bit, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, 
Texas, a few to mention, uh, have already decided to, uh, with social distancing, can try to start to open some businesses. And, you know, we made some jokes last week about some of the ones they chose, the tattoo parlors and the bowling alleys and the uh, barber shops. But a lot of those places did open last Friday in Georgia and South Carolina and a few more open today. There's restaurants open in several different places. And, uh, you know, I get, I know you get to the point where it's so tough on your business that if you just, you know, if you went another week without operating your business, that it would go under. So there's really tough decisions to be made. It really is, Dave. And I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know which side of the fence I'm sitting on, on this particular thing, because you definitely know that these people's livelihood is, is definitely at stake here, which, you know, huge implications of what could happen to them. And, you know, and another thing is from us trying to, you know, create this pandemic to get worse. But I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I, I think we need to start opening up some of the businesses, but come up with a smart idea because I'll give you an example today. Um, I was working with my friend Paul, and when we stopped out to, for lunch, we went to, uh, I'm sure you can remember these places, Dave, Hungry Bear. Yeah, oh, yeah. Over here. So we went to Hungry Bear, and as speaking of poker, the I met the owner of Hungry Bear many, many years ago. Uh, he loved to play, he loves to play poker, and he used to come in all the time with his, his uh, I believe it was his girlfriend, and they played a lot of poker over there. Great place. Okay, I, I know I'm giving them a little props now, but um, we went in there. There was only one other person when we got there at about quarter to 12 today. And before we were served, there must have been nine or ten of us in there. That place isn't that big enough to properly have the social distancing that, that's required, you know. And how are those mom and pops going to tell somebody, Oh, you got to wait outside. You know, you have to have another employee out there. I just wish somebody would come up with a smart idea, you know, no matter from where it comes from that would allow us to be able to have this. You're saying about restaurants opening up, how comfortable are you going to feel? What are you going to do? Sit in a restaurant with your wife, your girlfriend, your friend, and no mask on your face. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, we have to come up to a decision, you know, and I know the numbers are horrific, but based on percentage-wise, it's it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be, and that's probably because of the social distancing. Yeah. And, you know, but how much longer can we go? Exactly. Well, longer? there's there's no question it has worked. It has saved lives. It has, uh, you know, flattened the curve, as they say. But, uh, yeah, some people can't survive any longer. I know that I just read some things about people here in South Florida. Uh, Metro Diner, which is, has three locations down here, uh, they imme- immediately closed. They tried to go the, the takeout route, couldn't make that go. Uh, Jackson's Prime, which is one of the great steakhouses here in South Florida, they've already announced that they will not be returning. So a lot of these restaurants, they're just on the borderline right now 
of deciding, uh, you know, can we make it? Can we make things go if we get a loan? Uh, but the loan system from the government has not worked so great. Uh, here in Florida, the unemployment system is just a complete disaster. They paid about uh, 4% or 6% of the people that have applied so thus far. And people are waiting and don't even know if they can get in a lot of times to the system to claim. So it's been tough. And sometimes people just say, hey, screw it. We're just going to go out there and we're going to open. We're going to take our chances. We're, we don't want anybody to get sick or lose their livelihood or lose their life. But, you know, this is the only way we can survive in our life. Yeah. And well, and you're mentioning about some of these great, you know, restaurants that are not going to be able to come back. Think about it, Dave. Even if they open it up and it's at half and they know people are going to be worried about this and not being able to run full you know, running a restaurant is not an easy job. Trust me, my father owned two of them in his lifetime. He told me how much work it was because um, he, he was out of the second one by the time I was a little boy. So it's it's very difficult. You know, it's extremely difficult. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that because they're going to make a decision. Is it worth for us to continue to invest in this business when it may take a year or two before we might see some sort of semblance of what what we we had before before yeah, this. Absolutely, it seems like we've been going through this for a million years, but it's really only been about five weeks. Yep. Uh, all the all the casinos and the poker rooms down here in South Florida, uh, some a little bit earlier, but most all of them were closed. Uh, by March 20th, and today, you know, is the uh, 27th, so it's only been five weeks, and uh, you know, it just it's just crazy to fathom that this was possible. But we have a long way to go, no question. Uh, today, it was announced here in South Florida that some of the recreational facilities with limits are going to be reopening this week. They made the announcement this afternoon. Places like golf courses, boat ramps, marinas, pools, and uh, multifamily developments are going to be allowed to open. Uh, some less in Broward than in Dade, but uh, all these places, all these changes will go into effect this week. And I guess there's got to be a time where you can stick your toe in the water and see how it works. The unfortunate thing, as you know, is that, you know, these asymptomatic people can spread. You, doesn't have, you don't have to have symptoms to pass along the disease. And you just don't know who has it, who doesn't. And so you try to be uh, careful with the masks and uh, the gloves and whatever you need to wear. But there's no guarantees. And, and two, three weeks from now, uh, we're liable to find out that, uh, you know, we've created a lot of new cases. Yeah, well, I, I think that's, <laughs> again, half the people, it seems like half the people in this country, you know, are willing to take that chance and the other half aren't. Um, and, you know, in the casino business, which is, you know, poker is, it runs in the casinos. Let me tell you, Dave, you know, you, you've read up, you know, you've been reading about uh, on Facebook about that, that group that we're in with the dealers and stuff that I've spoken with suppliers. Um, it, it's a scary thought, Dave. It really yeah. is. I, you know, we, we mentioned I can't see you know, you're, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that WSOP finally canceled and they're trying to set up a time. I don't care what time they set up this year. I don't care if it's in December. Their numbers have to be, are going to be down. I can't imagine that they're even going to get 50% of what they had last year. Who's going to risk that? I mean, some people will risk it. They, they may be forced to play 
six, you know, I'm running scenarios through my mind and I can't come up with one that would allow me to comprehend that they can run at any kind of sizable tournament. Yeah. You know, it just, I just don't see it. Do you see poker players wearing masks? Because I have a feeling that's what's going to be asked of people. I think, good point, Joe, about the masks, because at one time that was such a no-no in the poker world, people covering up their emotions with the face coverings and that sort of thing. Now it's just a new world that we have to deal with. But uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, Joe, is is something that you dealt with all the time, running a room, and how many people that depend on a sex, uh, successful poker room uh, for their livelihood outside of the dealers and uh, the brushes and all the people who work a room, the security guards maybe that stand, you know, to, in case there's any problems. But I'm talking about people who supply chips and cards. We talked with Tom Wheaton a few months back uh, from Faded Spade, and they were so thrilled at the success, success they were having at, uh, you know, the World Poker Tour, taking them on as their official cards. You know, they probably have had to stop production completely. There's certainly nothing for their product. You see the farms pouring milk down the drain and the vegetables sitting out in the fields. Uh, If you have no people using your playing cards, then you don't have a business either. No, and and let me tell you something. Uh, We start losing the companies that make the chips, you know, because all of a sudden... You know, Dave. You know, there's a big, there's a business that casinos constantly order different types: five dollar chips, twenty five dollar chips, commemorative chips. Okay, which becomes actually a business. I, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but you know, with my years of talking to people in there, uh, you know, I remember, you know, before he passed, when Frank Sinatra, you know, when anybody from the Rat Pack, any big person was performing at a casino that had a lot of, you know, followers. They would purposely order $5 and $25 chips, depending on what kind of crowd they brought in, because these people would would take those chips home. They were collectors of them because they were such big fans of the artist that was playing there. And when you've got maybe 1,000, 2,000 of these going away, think about it. A $25 chip probably costs the casino, especially the big casinos, about a dollar to make. Maybe a little less. Now okay. no one's cash. Now no one's cashing that in. And no one's going to ever cash that out. <laughs> so it becomes it becomes a big you know collector's item because they you know put the person's face on it. That they you know they, they they've done some really beautiful stuff with this, and and this is a business. Those chip companies, they're like, you know, when they're making those chips, it's like they're making money because if somebody was to get a hold of one of them, they can go to the casino and just cash it out for cash, okay? And those people are going to suffer. How about the people who make the felts, okay, right. tables, uh, the chair? I mean, like you mentioned, there are so many people behind the scenes, Dave, that makes a, a successful poker room, you know, uh, run smoothly. And all of them are going to be affected by this, you know, yeah. not just the frontline play people that you see as far as dealers and the, and the staff personnel and, and the, uh, the waitresses and anybody else that's, that's part of the poker room, okay, through the casino. Those are the people that you see, but all the people behind the scenes that make your life a lot easier, you know, that the stuff that you need to run your room properly, those people are 
may run out of, you know, may go out of business because they're not going to have, they're not even come close, I don't believe, to the volume they had before this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if that's not enough gloom and doom for you, I did want to talk about one quick story here. People in South Florida uh, that were affected by the coronavirus and having to do with poker. Uh, It was a group of friends in the Aventura area, eight retirees. And this is not young people, 20-year-olds playing at the table, but the eight retirees with ties to New York City. They were friends for over 20 years. They had a weekly game in their condominium in Aventura. And they played They played a couple of day, days a week. Uh, pots were less than $100, but that was their social life. And they all played together for the last time on March the 12th. And uh, within a matter of weeks, uh, coronavirus had claimed the lives of three of their members and debilitated the other five. So everybody in the group actually got got the virus, and uh, it was their regular uh, poker game. Uh, they they said they had hugs and and uh, banter and exchanging of the cards and the cash and the chips, and that's how they caught it, no, without a doubt. Uh, so three of those people have passed away, and they weren't doing anything wrong at the time of that game. There was a recommendation not to have any kind of cancellation and or a gathering of people with more than 50. And this was just eight friends in a room that met every week. So uh, the oldest, I believe, was 94. The youngest was 86. And they were great friends. But, uh, you know, that's something to take as a cautionary tale when people say, well, why don't we just have a home game and play with our friends? Yeah, Dave. And that's, a, like I said, think about that. That's a home game of everybody knew each other, took one person. When those stories get out, you know, how many people you think are going to try to make that play in the casino, you know, I just think that poker is going to take a big hit, which is very sad, and I don't want to talk about doom and gloom like you said, but that's the reality of the situation in the world we're living in right now. Yeah, and it wasn't just limited to that group because they were all enjoyed going to the casinos, they played at uh, at uh, Big Easy Casino in Hallandale. They went to the Seminole Hard Rock, and and uh, you know who knows uh, what what happens when some of these uh, people get this disease and affects obviously people. Some people worse than others, but the elderly and all these people had underlying health conditions, and uh, you know it's just it's been it's just been a terrible plague. It really has, and and on our industry, you know, like that we speak about that we love poker. Is 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 going to take a big hit from this, Dave, and we got to try to figure out a way. And I've been racking my mind trying to think of how this is going to be. And I believe if poker is going to survive, the, the the time has finally come for for our government. And I know this is not something they want to think about right now, but to eventually now let us play online. Yeah. Yeah, it needs to it needs to move forward, Good. and unfortunately, people they don't want to even think about that. A lot of uh, politicians uh, that's the last thing on their mind right now. But but people have their own forms of entertainment, and you're right, it needs to be discussed. It really does, and and you know, and if, again, this is not something to be discussed right now. I understand that, but you know, looking at what we're going through now. No one ever envisioned this when they took, you know, when they when they removed internet poker from us and took all the all the poker sites away. Now it's not just the people in remote areas that are suffering that can't, you know, to have to take hundred miles trips to get to any casino. Now it's all of us. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> now exactly. it's right down the block and we still can't go in and play. Well, I want to talk about what's happening now in the in the big world of poker, and that is the World Series being canceled, not canceled, but postponed. Uh, I definitely feel that we'll play sometime later in the year. And uh, it's not something I think about a ton of time because, you know, I'm not one of these guys who goes out there for seven weeks and, and makes all my plans ahead of time on what I'm going to play. If I go out there, I might play one or two tournaments while I'm covering some of the action. But there are people and writers, poker writers, that have uh, put a lot of thought into this. One of them is Mo Noir. I want to get to his article when we come back, what the World Series of Poker might look like when it returns later this year. So let's take a break here on the show. Joe, put your thinking cap on as a uh, poker room director on some of the thoughts of what you might do if you had six months to try to replan this event. So uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return on Poker Action Line here in from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking poker as uh, we want to get into a discussion about what's happening with the World Series. Just wanted to mention, uh, I was looking at an article about online poker and how well it's done. Uh, in April alone, uh, Forbes.com came out with an article and pointed out that uh, 888 Holdings, which owns 888.com and provides uh, software to the WSOP, uh, has seen a 60% increase in their traffic since people were basically quarantined. So uh, that's pretty incredible number. There's a huge tournament coming up, the uh, the Scoop, um, the on Poker Stars, which is a going to be a huge tournament with a lot of uh, events. Uh, just to give you some numbers, in just in New Jersey, uh, the three operators in that market earned a take of 3.6 million for the month which uh, had bested the previous record of January 2014 of 3.4 million when they first came on. That was right after the opening. So uh, this whole numbers are, are going way up in online poker, and we definitely will take a, a closer look. But uh, uh, 
Some of these great events uh, have been moved online. The Poker Masters, which is that one with the purple jacket awarded to the champion at the end, uh, just finished up with 30 events. And uh, some of the great names in the world played, and they all played from their computers online. Well, you know, <laughs> that like I just mentioned right before we went we went on break there, you know, online is picking up the, uh, the you know, <laughs> the need, the slack of people not being able to go to the casinos. And you you posed a question to me uh, right before the break there, Dave, about uh, what what you could do to get, like, the World Series of Poker, getting your room back up together, uh, you know, getting it back up and functional. And I was thinking during during our break there, and I was saying, well, I'd be proactive in trying to make, see – First of all, if if my employers want to get the poker room back up, that's going to be a question that's got to be asked. Uh, second, if you're going to run the tournaments like the WSOP, you're going to have to make them feel safe by by probably removing half of the of the tables in those big uh, conference right. rooms that they have them. Right. You know, and having the all the proper masks, something that's comfortable, something that you could try to make. The, 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 the poker public feel like, okay, they're doing everything they can possibly do to make it safe. Uh, one of our suppliers here has mentioned things about removing the tray every, you know, every down dealer comes in with a new one, uh, changing chips up, which then becomes extremely expensive for the casino and profitable, obviously, for them. But showing the people that you are trying to, you know, make, sanitize the area that they work in and everything else that they're playing in, excuse me, and that everybody, all the all the staff is, is doing everything they can to make it a safe environment for you. And I don't know if that work effort and what's going to take into that is something that's going to catch on, but if we're going to get poker back into the rooms, I seriously believe you're going to have to do something along those lines. Yeah, I was just looking at an article on uh, Poker News Daily called uh, Las Vegas Viewing Options Regarding Restarting Operations. And one of the points they made was, uh, you know, you have to have so much extensive cleaning going on of all these facilities. So these ones that had people packed in there 24 hours a day, they're not going to be able to open 24 hours. They need to put aside time to, uh, you know, uh, test the facilities and uh, do the cleaning techniques that they need. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's, <laughs> and like you said, if you if you're, you know, the the poker director for the Hard Rock down here, uh, for any of the major, you know, casinos in in Vegas, you know, you have to have a plan in place. Way like I mean, they should evolve. They should already be thinking of these things, if not already acting on whatever it is, and. Even if they do try to act on it, we don't know what kind of regulations the state is going to put forth for us. You know, I've heard things where they're thinking of, like I said, removing half the tables in, in, a, in a poker tournament. Well, you're going to have to do the same in a poker room, Dave. Yeah. You know, and, and as a casino, you know, as much as we love poker, poker brings in the least amount of money for the most part, you know, into a casino. It's the slots and the other table games that make the, the, the lion's share of the money for the casinos. Poker's are, poker is, 
you know, brings excitement, does bring some people that they have to play on, on machines and stuff, but it actually, you know, goes to the, to the bottom of the pile for, for, for what's important in a casino for the most part. And you have to have something, you know, very strong in place and have to see people accepting this rather quickly. Well, yeah, the, the, effort. the other thing you look at, Joe, is the strategy of the game. You know, there's lots of talk about, uh, you know, nine players at a table, which is normal. Uh, you know, occasionally to fit more players in, they would put 10 at a table. Uh, right. cert- certainly you can't have that anymore. So there's always been games uh, six hand played six handed. And, uh, you know, some people just don't like to play that because it's a completely different game. Now you're even looking at maybe having four or five at a table, like in the early part of an event when people are showing up late and they said, well, let's just get the tournament started. We'll get a few people and we'll add them into tables. And, uh, you know, how different that makes the game when you only have three or four, four people for the first few hands. Well, I'll tell you what, it'll kill it'll kill a lot of poker down here in South Florida. You know, as I've always mentioned for over these years, we have a unique situation down here in South Florida uh, with the with the amount of high hand money that's being offered. That's just, that's I just can't see that kind of money being offered anymore. Okay, and I don't see the majority of the early players who who, who literally are playing bingo poker, as I call it because all they're trying to do is hit the high hand at the minimal cost. And now with four players, it's going to actually be more of a cost for them if they're, they're going to chase any of these high hands. So, right, right. Um, like you said, six-handed, I, I, I started playing six-handed online a lot, and I really enjoyed it. And I know that it's helped me when I've made final tables. I was one of the reasons I started doing it, because I, I can't give... I can't remember which great poker player article that I read, but I, to give him credit, but you know, it made a lot of sense to me, you know, because the game changes as we've mentioned many times in, in, over the years. Well, you know, once the once you start eliminating people from from the field, you know, the the starting hands and everything else, the pressure changes. So, I I kind of really enjoyed starting to play six-handed poker. There are tournaments that have six-handed poker, you know. Um, but even with six-handed, Dave, you're still way too close. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Uh, I was looking at uh, some other articles during my research this afternoon. We'll get to the article by Mo in just a minute. But uh, just the thought uh, that came up be- between uh, uh, different people that run these poker rooms around the around the world um, – there, there's the one point of view of the mayor of Las Vegas that we talked about last week, Carolyn Goodman, how she thought it was just ridiculous that uh, they didn't, they, they shut everything down. He had other people like the uh, MGM CEO that uh, was a little more thoughtful in his direction that he wanted to take things. And now there's a couple more stories out uh, different places. Um, there was a column today in uh, – in uh, I didn't see exactly what paper it was from. It was a national article about the the CEO of the Hard Rock, James Allen, who uh, we know very well from down here in South Florida, and he said it's going to be uh, it's probably going to be at least a year before we get things uh, anywhere back to any type of normal situation for casinos uh, all over the world. And he knows a lot about it, uh, as they have. Uh, 
you know, they have places around the world, some of the places where the coronavirus has kind of, uh, you know, retreated in, in uh, Southeast Asia. And some of those places have terrible numbers on the on the return down there. Um, he went on CNBC on Wednesday. He said it will take about a year before the casino business is running at pre-COVID-19 uh, levels. He said it's going to be a real challenge, especially here in the United States, as far as ramping up business, and we're planning on that taking a year. Well, Dave, I don't think the casinos are going to get back to any kind of normalcy until a vaccine that people feel extremely confident that, you know, that, that nobody can get it. And once they say you don't have to wear masks, and 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 the so you know that as soon as that's taken away, obviously the social distancing will come away. We just need to kind of you know <laughs> retrain, retrain, retrain the public to to have faith in and and you know our doctors, our system. Um, that's going to be a big. That's going to be the big thing to make sure we can get that. I mean, you know, we're forget about just poker. That that's a that's a thing that gets close. Look at all all the sporting events that you know the fans sit right next to each other. How are they going to do that? You, you, I don't know if you've seen the outline for the airplanes that you sit. They're going to reverse the seats or something like that. Has wow. any of you guys heard any of that? There, I mean, no, they no, shown a diagram of it where you know, okay, on this row one sits at the end by the window, one sits in the aisle, and the middle seat is facing in the other direction. So there's a one person only in that row on the other side, and like I said, I you know that's the smartest thing I've heard from anybody in this thing. Hearing that uh, <laughs> that it's going to take at least a year, I figure however long it takes us to have something that the the general public feels very confident in that that's a strong vaccine, and they're no longer you know going to go through the nightmares that you have to go through. And trust me, I know the nightmares now because of, I think I mentioned on last week's show, my wife's cousin has now been 10 days in intubation. So, it, it, yeah. you know, for the people who do get it, it's very nasty, obviously. But, uh, hey, you know, we've got to move forward. We've got to try to find something that, that, that can vaccinate us from us or cure us from anybody who gets this. And, um until that level gets, you know, until we reach that level that everyone believes there's no, there's no grave danger, nothing's going to come back to normal, and especially in the casino industry and, you know, a bunch of other industries that depend on large crowds and people being right next to each other. Well, just to give you a number uh, from that article, uh, Alan said that they own a casino, uh, Hard Rock International owns a casino in a city of Shenzhen, which is just outside of Hong Kong. And they've been operating again for nearly a month, and they're operating at 12% capacity. <laughs> That's right there. That answers everything for us. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he says, uh, the one thing he does say is obviously uh, some of these places, and obviously uh, Las Vegas is one of them where people need to fly in to get to the area. You don't, you obviously have some locals, but a uh, place like South Florida where they're drawing from all over this, the peninsula area of people to play are going to have a better chance of uh, coming back to uh, regular levels than uh, some of the other ones that are just reliant on the airline industry. And as you mentioned, there's going to be lots of changes with that there's going to be less flights and there's going to be uh it's going to be a long time before the entire 
business model is anywhere close to what it was. Yeah, I, uh, Dave, I tell you, <laughs> I hate to say, like you said, doom and gloom, but, you know, we're just, I, I'm just letting our, our listeners know, and I'm sure they know this, and they just got to, you know, hey, this is how life is going to be right now. You know, this is how life is going to be. And the poker world, like you said, uh, Internet poker, these sites, 888, up 60%. I, if this goes longer like this, I think that number is going to go even higher come May. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's take a look at this article. Uh, someone who has taken a lot of time thinking about uh, what happens in these new, as he mentions, uncharted waters for the WSOP. Uh, you know, we've been looking at increasing number of events year by year. Uh, you know, we were around 60 a few years ago when we were doing the show, and now we're over 100, including the online events. So things have been growing and growing. Uh, it's still about a seven-week period, but there's the first problem. They need to find a time when they can do it where they have the facilities available. And one of the ways he said that they might be able to do it is uh, Planet Hollywood had a WSOP circuit event scheduled for November. Now, I don't know if they want to wait that long, but they have the 12 days mapped out for that. So they could actually use a completely diminished schedule. Uh, diminished, I guess, is not a fair word. Super condensed, he says, for the WSOP with uh, basically 12 days. And uh, he said you might cut it down to, uh, uh, say, 12 of 12 days of maybe 30 events, you know, about three a day. Uh, you could start different things. The main event would have to start early to get it in uh, on day two, he talks about. Uh, it's questionable whether they would be able to have both the main event and the a lot of the 10K uh, scheduled events, including the $50,000 uh, uh, Poker Players Championship, which also takes a lot of the same players. So there needs to be a lot of thought if it's super condensed into 12 days. But he looks at a schedule. Uh, he's able to double up on some of the events, the main event starting on day two and day three. Then back to their second day of the main event on day four and then finish things out along the way. Uh, obviously, you would have to part with some of the events that are very popular, the ladies' event, a couple of the seniors' events might have to go by the wayside. And uh, that's a shame because all those tournaments have been growing by leaps and bounds over the last two, three years. They have, Big Dave. And, and guess what? That is a great idea that they've already had that plan. But they are going to, you know, have to make this a much smaller tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into this, Dave, besides all of that, like you said, for the travel, is the staffing of this and where people can stay and how they're going to, you know, think about it. The break comes, hundreds if not thousands of players go on a break. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to do the social distancing there? You know, even if it's just, a couple of hundred, 200, 250, 300 people in a tournament. Break comes, that, you know, assuming that you, that's what you have left uh, at the tournament. You know, how are you going to handle people going to get something to eat, where they're going to go, bathrooms that are going to be overstaffed. There's a whole lot that else on top of just getting, getting the logistics straight for the poker side of it that they have to start thinking about right now. Right, exactly. The other uh, alternative 
is, well, first of all, he doesn't believe that they would really want to wait until November. They're looking for some time in the fall, hopefully, you know, September, October, who knows how long this thing is going to last when things are going to open up a little bit. But he also draws up a scenario for 30 days of poker with about, oh, I guess he has about 70 events, something like that. And it would be less than what's out there now, but it would allow them to have a lot of the smaller tournaments. They certainly want to protect those players that got really excited about all the $1,000 events that were going to open up for them on the weekends. And, uh, you know, you don't want to, ha- there's plenty of high roller events like the poker masters that caters to the big time players with the huge pockets and the uh, backers and all that sort of thing. But you want to take care of your smaller players as well. So, uh, they would try to extend it over 30 days, find a period there, whether it would be at the Rio or someplace else. And, uh, he lays it all out on stuff that. You have to make some tough decisions, but there are certain things that you absolutely have to keep to uh, keep the integrity of the tournament. Well, Dave, to be honest with you, the only thing you need to really keep there is the main event. Well, that's okay, true. In my I... opinion, that's all you really need to keep. to make. If you can get the main event, the 10,000 main event off, and get you know ESPN to partner to tape, you know, to tape it, and you know, uh, that's the one tournament that you have to try to run. We know that that tournament takes about about seven days, seven to eight days, just to get to that final table. Yeah. Okay? I don't see them being able to do those long hours, you know, 12-hour sessions. That may have to be condensed also to, you know, eight hours maybe, you know, with two hours of that being break time or dinner break. Again, there's so much that you have to think about. I can't see them running a 30-day thing without somebody declaring, hey, you know, we found a cure for this or, or whatever any time this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would suggest people check this article out if you're interested. Certainly the WSOP would like to hear what your thoughts are. They always have been catered to the players and their their uh, desires and have done their best to bend over backwards and, and make everybody that they can happy. So I'm sure you want to check that out. It's on uh, Poker News, and it's called uh, What Could a Revised WSOP Schedule Look Like by Mo Nuara. Check that out and uh, maybe pass your thoughts along. He did a lot of research into what the NBA and the Major League Baseball were trying to think about how they were going to save their seasons. So there's been a lot of angles uh, that he's looked at, and uh, you might uh, certainly uh, be in that. But there will be, most likely, uh, some sort of uh, reduction in the tournament, and we'll see what happens when it comes out. Listen, let's take one more break, Joe. We come back, and we'll be uh, right back to finish things up. When we return, you're listening to Poker Action Line. Of course, you can always pick us up on Apple Podcasts. Of course, the Stitcher.com still around, and uh, Poker News uh, carries uh, a lot of uh, links to that. So does the Poker Fuse podcast page. Holdem Radio Network. Uh, I got a tweet on Saturday. I was thrilled to see that they were uh, promoting our show as the head of a group of four. Annie Up Radio also had their show in that group, and uh, they're sending out uh, tweets and texts to people to invite us to tune into our program. So we really do appreciate the support that they give us and have given us over the years. Anyway, all the places you can get your podcasts, check us out, and uh, we'll keep bringing the show to you as long as we can and uh, hope that things get back to normal very soon. Joe will be back with more of the show along with me, and we'll be back right after these messages. 
This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, final segment of the program here. Obviously, uh, Wynn Resorts, a uh, huge business. They want to open up sometime in May on the Strip. Uh, the uh, the mayor of Las Vegas, uh, Carolyn Goodman, she wanted to open yesterday, so her thoughts are certainly out there. And then there's Jim Allen that says, uh, you know, we'd like to order, order open up, I should say, as soon as we can, but uh, it's still going to take some time. And certainly, uh, you know, it's not the best situation for uh, – you know, hoping that you're going to be a huge profit center. Uh, along those lines, uh, there are places that uh, are selling their casinos. I don't know uh, how much demand there is on the uh, on the supply and demand market for uh, poker, but uh, uh, the El Dorado people that uh, picked up the Isle Casino uh, sometime back down here in South Florida, they actually have loaded several of their casinos. They uh, they sold. Uh, Three of their properties, uh, they are trying to uh, combine for uh, the merger between Caesars and El Dorado, and they sold uh, three of their properties to a company in Rhode Island, Twin Rivers Worldwide Holding. Uh, you may have heard of the dog track Twin Rivers. They have ex- exploded with purchases of casinos in New Jersey, Louisiana, and Nevada now uh, as they per- picked up Lake Tahoe's uh, Mount Blue Resort Casino and Spa, and also the El Dorado in Shreveport, Louisiana, which I have actually been to, uh, covered a couple of bowl games there in uh, Shreveport, Bossier City in Louisiana, 
And uh, we stayed right near the El Dorado there and went and uh, did some gambling there. So I'm real familiar with that casino. But that was one of the ones sold. Uh, Bally's was also part of this sale, the Bally's in uh, Atlantic City. So those are three major comp- major uh, properties in the deal and uh, really has increased the likelihood of uh, this Caesars El Dorado merged company of getting approval in the, in the Garden State. Yeah, well, let me tell you, if you can get them at bargain basement prices, it might be worth the risk of buying them, you know, just to have that license and secure that license. But if these people are selling now, it's that's because they're probably anticipating it's going to take a while to get anywhere near it. And you mentioned right before our break, 12%, right? 12% was where their business was at. The Hong Kong place, yeah. So, you know, if those are the numbers you're looking at, you know, Depends on how deep your pockets are, Dave. But you know, yeah, yeah. The real rich people—they thrive in these times. You know, they know when to buy something that's very valuable that's that's being sold at a at, at a very very uh, bad price uh, for the people selling it and take advantage of it. So, well, if you're wondering, if you're wondering what the number is, and I'm sure you've been to Bally's in Atlantic City, I, I'm guessing. Yes, I have, and. and <laughs> The uh, Twin Rivers bought that facility from Caesars for $25 million. Now, $25 million is a lot of money, but for a huge Atlantic City casino, uh, that is almost bargain basement price. It, it really is. And, and that's the, you know, we do know that Atlantic City has you know, suffered a lot of, you know, they've lost, what was it, four or five casinos over the last yeah. few years prior to all of this here, you know, with Philadelphia being a big you know, fan base to draw from for so many years um, from, you know, now having their own casinos. Um, so that, 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 that brought the price down. And now with everything going on here, that, that is bargain basement, Dave. Yeah. I mean, just, just, to, million. That's just, just to give you a uh, you know, comparison, the two others that they bought, the uh, Shreveport property and the Lake Tahoe property, they bought uh for 155 million so uh, that's yeah. uh, seems more reasonable absolutely like you said 25 million for valleys my goodness that is for as far as casinos that's a bargain basement price now carpe diem you know uh you, you got to beware but uh it's certainly not a license to print money like it was at one time no it's <laughs> not at the time not right now it isn't uh, but again, uh, the, 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 the people who have, you know, gotten way ahead have been those innovators that can see into the future and predict, uh, when and where, you know, we're going to start rising again and, and, you know, starting to go towards the top of the mountain instead of at the, in the valleys that we are right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, all I can say as we wind down this show is that, uh, things are seeming to change. Uh, we certainly can look at uh, what's happening over in Asia, uh, where these, this pandemic started in China, in Singapore, in uh, Hong Kong, and see what their uh, experience have, have been like. And it certainly, uh, you know, 
makes you aware that you need to decide for the right time to bring things back. Uh, there are places where, uh, in China, in fact, in the uh, the epicenter of this thing, uh, they have no new cases uh, over the last few days. And so it seems to have turned the corner there. Uh, of course, they were about four or five weeks ahead of us, maybe not quite that much. But here in the United States, we're seeing New York is uh, leveling off. Uh, they have flattened the curve. Now, there's still a 1,000 people uh, going into the hospital each day and, uh, you know, flattening that line is, as Governor Cuomo said, a good thing, but not a great thing. You know, it's still way too many people getting sick and people passing away. So uh, even though it's a hard bullet to bite, you know, to keep from getting your business back on track financially, uh, we got to be very careful. And, uh, you know, these are the important things we need to look at over the next couple of weeks. And when we react to what they're doing in Georgia, what they're doing in uh, Texas, what they're doing in Minnesota, uh, huge uh, businesses returning to action and see if there is some kind of effect two weeks from now. Well, all we can do is wait, Dave. That's all we can do. This country, all it could do is wait. You know, states like New York, we have no idea what all those numbers that they have. And New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, that got hit really hard. We got to wait, like you said, see if in two or three weeks we don't get a, a rash of new cases in Georgia and in some of the other states that are opening up little by little. It could give us some uh, some hope going forward. Yeah. Well, let me uh, finish out the show by just mentioning this program put together by Chad Holloway and his friends uh, to benefit some of the poker media that uh, report tournaments for a living now find themselves out of work, uh, just like many of the people around the country. But there are online events uh, being done by Run Good Poker Series. Uh, poker Go is doing some stuff, Global Poker, and it's called the Keep the Lights On Initiative which is a fundraiser for freelance poker media to cover their utility bills uh, throughout this uh, pandemic. Uh, the situation it put, is put together with some uh, players representing each of these groups, uh, Jamie Kerstetter, uh, Jeff Platt, and Brian Frenzel will be playing. Uh, you can uh, go to PokerGo.com and uh, check out some of these things. Uh, the largest bankroll at the end of this series of these players We'll earn a seat into the All-Stars Pro-Am live event at the Poker Go Studios in December. But you can pledge uh, to one of the teams, whether you want to pledge $5, uh, for instance, on an event. And, for instance, Jamie Kerstetter representing Run Good Poker Series. If she cashes in 10 out of the 30 events and you pledge $5 for her cashing, you'll be adding $50 to the funds. They're taking pledges until May the 3rd. So check that out. Uh, the best place to go, I guess, would be um, check out the article on Poker News as they uh, put this together. Uh, RunGoodGear.com is a place to go. You can contact them then for considerations and uh, helping out people who make this poker world go. If you've ever gone to a tournament or listened to what's happening at the event, uh, certainly you have gotten a lot of information from these great poker writers that, that uh, summarize some of the hands and let you know how many people are left, who is moving forward with their chip stack. And uh, it's just another way to help out some of the people that you've appreciated and enjoyed their work over the years. Well, that's a great idea, Dave. Great idea. 
So the streaming schedule uh, starts, uh, let's see, it starts on uh, the 27th, which I guess is today. Uh, Team Poker Go will stream one, uh, and you can check it out on Twitch following uh, the action on Global Poker. April 27th, today through May 20th. Those players will be representing on the uh, Run Good Poker uh, Tour, the Global Poker and Poker Go. You can uh, check all that out. April the 27th through May 20th, they'll take their turn streaming on Twitch. So check out the Twitch feed and you can check it out. Uh, Contact Chad Holloway, who wrote this story. You can check out his uh, information on the Poker News podcast page. Uh, poker news article called keep the lights on it's a fund assisting poker media which are affected by the pandemic uh we'll be back next week with another program here on poker action line please stay well everybody follow the social guidelines i know it's tough it's getting old but certainly it is working and saving lives and we'll be back to tables in no time uh all with a chance to celebrate the passing of this horrible pandemic uh, Joe, so you take care as well. We'll be talking with you soon. And uh, Joe Costello, thank you for all your help on the show, as always, getting us on the air. Uh, you can check us out on PokerActionLine.com. Check out previous shows as well. And uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, good places to pick up the show as well. We'll see you next week with another edition of the program. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 